This is the What Happened Today podcast, your daily history podcast that tells you what happened on this day in history. Brought to you by the Productive Leisure Network, online, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com, and on Facebook and Twitter, at Prod Leisure. I'm your host, Will Floyd, and what happened today, December 5th, in 1952, a massive layer of smog descended over London and the general surrounding area in what would become known as the Great Smog of London. For five days, from December 5th to December 9th, London was covered in such a thick smog that no one could really see anything. In fact, the smog was said to have gone indoors. It was so overwhelming. Smog is a portmanteau. It's a combination of smoke and fog. And usually, it can refer to a kind of thick enough pollution haze that it feels almost foggy in the way it obscures certain objects. The Great Smog of London actually was a disgusting combination of a genuine thick fog and horrible air pollution. The Great Smog was not the first horrible incident of terrible smog in London. In fact, really since the 13th century, London had been battling truly horrid pollution problems. So much so that in 1272, by proclamation, King Edward I of England had banned the burning of any sea coal in London because so much smoke had been developing that it was creating pollution, one of the early measures aimed at curbing pollution. But this was much more a practical thing than any idea about the environment. People could not see, and it had a gross smell that seemed to penetrate everything. But this didn't absolutely fix everything. Throughout the centuries, there would still be the problem of this coal just being the only real, affordable, and available option for burning for heat, and sometimes fuel. Wood was scarce enough throughout Britain that it wasn't an option to try this, and the type of coal, the sea coal, was particularly bad. In 1661, there was even a pamphlet written by John Evelyn, who had gained later fame as a diarist, but was an advisor to King Charles II when he was restored to the throne in 1660 after the interregnum in Oliver Cromwell. That was called Fumifugium, or the inconvenience of the air and smoke of London dissipated. People coming into a brand new government after time away from monarchy said, one way we can distinguish ourselves is getting rid of this horrible smoke. But it didn't happen. Indeed, by the 19th century, the term a pea soup fog developed wherein people said the air was so thick it was like walking through pea soup. In addition to the thickness of it, pea soup was also a descriptor of the way it looked and smelled, apparently. And this wasn't your normal pea soup. This was supposed to be pea soup of a rather dubious quality that had been left out. Therefore, the description of a pea soup fog was used only for the most extreme moments of smog that descended on London. And despite the fact that there was sort of a constant presence of smog and stories from Victorian London, that in order to actually read signage during the daytime, sometimes lights were needed, there is still the aspect that the Great Smog of 1952 took it a step further. And this is because it was, in fact, a dramatic weather event, as well as a pollution event. Specifically, what happened is an anti-cyclone developed. An anticyclone essentially sees winds swirl, normally clockwise in the northern hemisphere, counterclockwise in the southern, in such a way that skies clear out and cool, dry air descends. This means nothing is being blown out. 
Clear skies are basically impossible because the thick, cold air can't move. So fog is much more likely than at any other time. London faced a massive anticyclone. And then, of course, the ever-present pollution came in. In some ways, they might have been able to see this coming. There have been previous incidences, um, particularly in North America, of similar effects in 1939 in St. Louis. A massive smog descended in February, creating a massive problem, allowing for no one to see and causing serious health issues. And maybe more strikingly was the 1948 incident in Denora, Pennsylvania. Denora was a town of about 13,000 at the time and was just a mill town somewhat outside of Pittsburgh. But it had one of these anti-cyclones come down on it and the Denora smog killed 20 people and was said to have made 7,000 sick over half the town. So there was an idea that something like this could happen. But perhaps adding to the problem was the exact nature of the government in Great Britain in 1952. Throughout The whole of World War II, pretty much, a grand coalition government had developed, where although led by conservative Prime Minister Winston Churchill, most of the cabinet was actually a collection of other party leaders and notables. There were no elections even contemplated throughout the war until summer of 1945, when one was called, and a surprise victory was given to the Labour Party, whose leader Clement Attlee went from being deputy prime minister under Winston Churchill to Prime Minister, with Churchill as leader of the opposition. In 1951, the positions reversed with another general election. And so really, absolute political games were beginning to develop again in the early 1950s. But they were able to because there was also a general improvement in the economy. From a wartime experience of the Blitz and rationing, Britain was improving. And this is really one way that Winston Churchill was able to reclaim power. And in the midst of this... The smog descended. There is perhaps an argument that Winston Churchill and the Conservative Party were not the people to address something like pollution, probably most aligned with big business who would have wanted less restrictions on pollution. They would have paid less attention to what was going on. On the other hand, as soon as December 5th rolled around, everyone noticed. As a political maneuver, nothing could be done about the fog. And the fog mixed with the pollution was the problem. All that anyone could do was hope and pray that someday soon, winds would come in and blow it all away, and that the sun would return. This is how most of these horrible incidents had happened, but it was still highly disturbing. People could not walk anywhere with any success, really. Visibility was said to be just a few meters, although, in all honesty, people would also say that you couldn't see anything. Visibility, in this case, was a guess. Additionally... Any outdoor events, including sports, were canceled. And then even the largest enclosed spaces, theaters for film and theater, were closed. And some of them, people on the back row would not have been able to see the entertainment. If anyone went anywhere, they would have to basically hug walls and walk shuffling so they wouldn't run into anybody. Trains still went. The London Underground actually worked okay being underground. It didn't have a seeping effect of the smog. But above-ground trains also were still running. And to try and make sure that no one got in the way, groups of detonators, basically massive percussion caps placed on tracks, had to be set out so that people could actually hear the train coming. Exactly how many people had died was unclear. Everyone, it seemed, was sick. Emergency medical services had said that they believed 4,000 people had died. Obviously, 
most were quite young or quite old. Although there were also some deaths just based on the fact that no one could see. In the House of Commons the following February, the Labour politician Marcus Lipton would say that he thought perhaps 6,000 people had died and that 25,000 more had gotten sick. Those numbers might actually be strikingly low. The thing that's really horrifying about the Great Smog of London is that no one really knows what was going on individually. Communication was difficult. No one went outdoors. No one did anything. Hospitals were at a loss. It was quite clear that people remained very sick for months afterwards. As almost inevitably would happen, after a few days, the weather changed and the smog was lifted. But people seemed to know that something had to give. In 1956, the Parliament of the United Kingdom passed the Clean Air Act. Mostly, it tried to reduce air pollution. It established what were known as smoke control areas that basically said only smokeless fuels could be burned. This meant that, most notably, electricity and gas had to be put in, and so electrification was needed in more parts of London than had been previous. Also, the very idea of doing anything was quite striking. There had been, of course, previous ideas to try and curb air pollution, but a clean air act, not the idea that in some ways smoke was problematic, but that clean air was desirable, was brand new. Additionally, the Clean Air Act effectively worked in some ways because there was never something like the Great Smog. Pollution absolutely was the reason that something like the Great Smog could develop. It's why a small little industrial town like Denora, Pennsylvania could experience something like that, as well as London. But London was the worst. If any other anti-cyclone developed some winter in London, there would be another great smog. And maybe it wouldn't be as deadly. People would understand what to do. Maybe they would be able to do something about it beforehand. But mostly, once the smog comes in, all politicians and leaders' hands are tied. Nothing would be able to happen. The great smog was not a one-of-a-kind event, but it was a last of its kind. It was so bad so terrifying, so strange, that most everybody knew something had to be done. What it was was unclear. The other aspect of the Clean Air Act was simply saying don't burn as much wasn't really handling the problem of pollution. But it was a first step. And sometimes it's amazing to think about what must trigger such action. That the idea that something could happen, that coal was a problem, was already there. But in order to really trigger action against burning of coal and the air pollution around London, it needed a massive, dense layer of fog to mix with the smoke in the city to create a special level of pea soup fog, creating the Great Smog of London, which is what happened today, December 5th, in 1952. That will do it for today's episode, but as always, please check back in tomorrow for a brand new episode because we are a daily history podcast, and we do put out a new episode each and every day. You can also find all of our episodes on our website, ProductiveLeisureNetwork.com, and on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you're listening to us on either iTunes or Stitcher, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a rating and leave a review, because those are the ways you can help us to get onto charts and be heard by brand new listeners. You can also help us out a bit more directly by going to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash productive leisure and becoming one of our patrons. At Patreon, patrons give small monthly contributions to support ongoing creative work, like a podcast network. So if you want to hear more of the What Happened Today podcast or any other Productive Leisure Network podcast, please. Go to patreon.com slash productive leisure and become one of our patrons today. You can also follow us for updates on everything to do with the Productive Leisure Network on Facebook and Twitter at Prod Leisure. Thanks for listening and see you tomorrow.